Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 144th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that will finally live up to its name this week. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering, finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, a.k.a. at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host, as always, is Travis Allen, a.k.a. at Wizard Bumpin', and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Good evening, James. Glad to be here. I'll keep it short since that's our goal this week. Our show is sponsored by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to manage your collection, track your specs, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. Travis, what's on the agenda this week? Well, James, this week we have a show in four parts. Segment one is our top movers. We'll talk about the long list of cards that have risen in price this past week. So many cards. Yeah, it's a lot to take care of. Segment two, cards to watch. James and I will run through cards that we uh, have our eyes on, think they might move in price. Segment three, our metagame week in review. Pro Tour, it's not Guilds of Ravnica. No, it is Guilds of Ravnica. Is it Guilds of Ravnica? It's a terrible name, but yes, it is Guilds of Ravnica. It is Guilds of Ravnica. And then uh, segment four, our topic of the week. We we might touch on the new Liliana coin, uh, which I'm sure even devoted listeners probably don't know what this is a callback to. And uh, also the IMA and M25 cards, it might not be in UMA. Uh, Good luck deciphering that. Okay, so first card of the week, uh, Benalish Marshall out of Dominaria, non-foils, a dollar and change, dollar fifty up to about three bucks. Not quite a double up. This is the only card that really saw enough movement to kind of tip the scales uh, coming out of the Pro Tour. Benalish Marshall is the triple white guy that boosts your team. Uh, I mean, the story of the Pro Tour was certainly um, white aggro and its various flavors. Really just came down to what percentage of red mana symbols was in your white weenie deck. Um, apparently, if you look a little beyond that, the story's a little deeper. A lot of the top eight, the story was uh, based on draft records, not standard records. So there's a little bit more going on in the standard portion than it would appear at first glance at the top eight. But the important thing is that this is a po- uh, a, the type of event where the headline almost matters more than the story. People are looking at the top eight. Um, they're seeing the decks that did well. Uh, and even though there's a richer vein of decks beneath that, uh, people aren't really noticing it because that's not kind of the headline of the story. So not a lot came out of the Pro Tour, not like we were hoping for, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, maybe Wizards will end up moving the Pro Tour closer to the set release again because they're finding they're too settled at this point. I don't know, uh, but that's where we are. That's where we yeah, are well, coming out of well, MTG Top 8 has a handy little feature called Best Decks Now mm-hmm. um, that lets us see you know, which decks did best in the standard portion. So we can make some comparisons there when we get that far. Okay. Following that is chain reaction out of world wake foils about $2 up to four, I believe, and I'm not positive, but I believe I picked this as a card a while ago. Chain reaction is a four mana red sorcery from world wake that deals damage to each creature based on how many other creatures are in play. So it's actually a really good sweeper for red. Uh, a color that typically lacks board sweepers at a reasonable rate in EDH. I mean, you have things like Earthquake, but then you're paying a lot of mana um, or Obliterate or whatever, and you have Pyroclasm, but obviously that's not going to hit all your good stuff. So Chain Reaction is a way to just really wipe the board clear for four mana. 
um, unless, you know, there's only two creatures floating around. Um, you can also do some pretty amusing tricks with it. I'm a fan of using chain reaction and, uh, oh shoot, now I'm blanking on it, but I have it in my Zada deck. So you, you produce a ton of tokens, then you cast this, you do something to Zada so that whenever damage is dealt to it, it deals it to like every, all other creatures and players. Uh, no, it's a spell. It's an instant or a sorcery because then it copies it to all your tokens and then you chain reaction. So every creature is dealt like 25 damage and then they all deal 25 damage to everything else and like all the other players. So you can do like 500 damage to every player at once. Anyways, it's a cool car. Uh, I did talk about it a while ago. Supply is still quite low. I like this as a hold at $4, actually. There's still not a lot out there. Uh, and, you know, without a reprint in UMA, basically, we're just going to keep seeing it run down. Yeah, it wasn't prior. That effect isn't even the same on that card. This was reprinted in a Commander series. Chain Reaction was. Um, it's in 5,000 DH rec decks. Um, but it's only ever had the one foil printing, hence the yeah. eventual movement. Um, there could be some some more to go on that. I don't see this being a priority reprint, given that it's already seen a commander reprint. So these foils could be up over 10. Um, again, not the kind of thing you want to be like 20 copies deep on, but if you had a couple of them lying around, you'd eventually out them on eBay over 10. Yep. Uh, Yavimai Enchantresses, the foils from Urza's Destiny, in theory going from 2 to 24. I assume this is on the back of the uh, commander from this year that is Enchantment Matters. This fine card, the foils finally draining and then... Uh, the market searching for a new plateau, which could end up being anywhere between 15 and 20, maybe even higher would be my guess. Yeah, this card bounces around uh, on, you know, it says $2 for foil. You have a Mayan Chantresses. I'm not sure that's actually accurate for Destiny's copies. This has been, you know, a known card and popular for a long time. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if this slips back down again, uh, but then it'll bounce back up once more. Uh, there were a lot of like Urza's Destinies and 7th edition cards that we pulled out of the list this week because in Invasion, uh, you know, they're just kind of like nonsense that spiked in price. Um, so, you know, we don't really count those uh, for the most part. This may kind of be part of that grouping, uh, but it is one of the more real cards from from that era. Yeah. Believe it or not, this is the final card on the list. Just four cards this week. And the under um, underline on that is that, you know, I didn't even cover the Pro Tour for MTG Price this weekend because I had this gut feeling this Pro Tour was not going to move cardboard. And lo and behold, there's basically nothing on this list except Benelish Marshall because the format is relatively healthy, but we're also pretty settled. Um, nothing new and exciting that showed up at the at the Pro Tour that wasn't a archetype we were already expecting to to be present um all that being said terrarion foils from ravnica moving from 65 cents to ten dollars this is on the back of it being a four of in kci um it's got one other printing i believe if i'm not mistaken uh i can't remember exactly what it is i think it might be eldritch moon yeah eldritch moon um is the other version um (coughs) But with KCI not banned and the deck continuing to do well, um, shouldn't be any, a surprise to anybody. Um, and that's a nice, that's some nice price movement if you, say, bought 12 copies of that six months ago, thinking that eventually that inventory would drain. It wasn't on my radar. I was focused on KCI itself, and which has been very good to me. Um, but congrats if uh, Terrarion uh, paid for a lunch for you. This is another one that I'm not sure that I trust the start price of 50 65 cents 75 cents uh i terrarian is 
been a known quantity for a while now. Um, so this might have been one copy that kind of got listed low that, you know, with like $7 shipping that dragged it way down. Uh, and then somebody bought that and it bounced back up. So I'm not even positive that this is an actual movement of that magnitude. Makes sense. Um, the Eldritch Moon foils are still sitting around in the 65 cent to a dollar range, and they're relatively shallow. So I would go ahead and add that to the list of, you know, if you can find a, a buyer on TCG player that has, say, eight copies, there's one for like eight copies at 95 cents plus 99 cent shipping. I think that's a slam, slam dunk $10 purchase because my gut says that KCI is, is not going to get banned. Um, it would have been by this point. Uh, it's not dominant. It's definitely slightly broken, but seems to be survivable in the format. And therefore, you might get a chance to exit on the actually su far superior art, by the way, on the Eldritch Moon copies. Um, I'm sure the foils look better. So <clears throat> I can see those end up buy listing four to five dollars before all is said and done. I'm actually surprised that there's uh, that few Eldritch Moons ones. I do, that I remember having looked up and there was enough copy that I was like, eh, I'm curious, but a little too much, a little too too many for me for the time being. All right, let's jump into our cards to watch. Uh, I, I think we got a good crop this week. This is all uh, stuff that's been relatively recently printed and is now on wa our watch lists um, to show some movement in the next year or so. Shieldred Whispering One starts it off for me. Foils from IMA. Um, confidence level about eight. Uh, buy price right now, you can pick up these foils for $17, which is um, a very solid deal given that it's only ever been printed once in New Phyrexia and then again in IMA. I find it very hard to believe that it would show up uh, in UMA, given that it was a mythic in IMA um, just a year ago. And we already know the full set of mythics for UMA. So it looks relatively safe for probably another year or two. And I have no trouble believing that this these foils will get up to $30, given that it's in 19,000 decks on EDH rec. Yeah, Shildred is a pretty nasty card. Um I think that you're you're right on the money here. It's not going to be a massive percentage increase, uh, but it is a nice chunk of change on each copy. You'll have no problem selling them either. So what you might lack in uh, magnitude of change, you will make up for in reliability of liquidity. Yeah, which I think is at times very valuable. Yeah, and the, the buy list, for instance, in credit at Card Kingdom on the foils is eighteen twenty, so higher than you can buy the card for. Whew. Which is exactly where you want to be with a spec. Yeah, I would say. Um, I'm in a similar boat on my first pick is uh, Kuku Show, the evening, the evening star is what that's supposed to say. Um, foils out of, uh, boy, what was that, IMA? IMA. I kind of dashed through yeah, right IMA. here. <laughs> uh, foils are about 10 bucks right now. Uh, Kuku Show has had two other foils. One of them was the uh, like the Legends printing um, or Dragon from the Vault Dragons. So very old uh, from the Vault Dragons was the first from the Vault they did, I think. And this uh, art's far better. Yeah, and that one was the bad foiling uh, and not great art. Um, it was those are like fourteen, so they're a little more than these. There's the Kamigawa foil printing. Those are thirty five bucks. There's the Modern Masters printing, which are $20, and then the Iconic Masters foils, which are 10 bucks. And those are the ones that I like because the art is better. We have seen an uh, affinity for newer frames and card versions for the most part, I think, with a, with a, especially with a more casual player base. 
Um, so foils of this are going to be more popular, I think, out of IMA than MMA, all things considered. Supply is pretty low-ish as well. I think we're looking at, uh, what did I say? There were, yeah, there are only about 20 copies. No, there's like 10 copies under 10 bucks, maybe. Not even that many. Um, so re- also from IMA, a relatively recent printing. Without If it's not in UMA, uh, this is just going to keep keep rising. Uh, so I'm looking at probably about a $20 departure here yeah and there was um this is a rare not a mythic so in that way inferior to shieldred but the ramp is steeper um the number of ten dollar copies that you can pick up are present but it very quickly gets to the 15 to 20 dollar range so looks pretty pretty well set for a double up um it's the best art that the cards ever had um and the other thing to consider about Iconic Masters is Mass Drop actually has boxes at 127 this week. And if it's your first time using the platform or you use a new email address to sign up, you can get it for 117. Um, the EMA, the EV on those boxes is in the 130 to 140 range right now. So it's not like a huge likelihood of gain. There's still some variance. You could still lose out or win even more. Um, but you could do a lot worse just casually. Um then picking up a box IMA sounds like uh, a really good option to uh, draft with friends or something like that. Um, oh, cause yeah. you know, you're, you still get to have fun of it. Christmas but, gifts. Yeah. Probably not going to lose out either. Yeah. And I mean, if you hit, you hit some of these key foils that are bound to rise, right. well, you know, scoop up. Some All right. Variants. What else you got for us? Horizon Canopy as the sixth most played land in modern shows up in a few thousand EDH decks as well. Um, currently, the foils are carrying a very minor multiplier. I think the non-foils are similar around 50 to 55, and you can pick up foils for 60. That's crazy. Too low, too low. Um, so I think any very good chance that Horizon Canopy will not be in UMA. Um, if it is, then this shoots this spec in the foot and moves it out six to 12 months. Um, but if it dodges when they make the announcement next week, then I would have no trouble scooping up some foils at 60, looking to out play sets around 300 to 320, say six to nine months down yeah, the road. Foil horizon canopies at 60 is awfully tempting, um, especially with such a narrow range between the foils and the non foils. Um, I mean, really the only concern is if you see it again. Uh, but I mean, without that, it does seem like a slam dunk to pick up towards, you know, 80 or 90 bucks. And the thing is, the art in this version of uh, the Iconic Masters version is also gorgeous. Um, one of the few things that M25 and Iconic Masters got right was when they introduced new art on a lot of those cards, it was actually quite yeah. stunning art. They did, uh, yeah, great they, did, they did a good job of that. Cuckoo Show is another one. They've been generally pretty good about the art for the lately um, with their new cards. Some mm-hmm. of them are misses, but I think overall they've done a good job. Uh, right. My other card this week is... Uh, Heliod, God of the Sun, um, from Theros. Foils are around 10 bucks right now. Uh, I mean, I know I've talked about Theros gods in the past a couple times. I still like them quite a bit. Um, Heliod is in 8,500 EDH decks. Uh, he's a component of the Selesnia deck. Uh, the uh, Tristani, the original Tristani, has saw a resurgence on EDH rec this week. Um, Tristani, we uh Selesnya's voice was the name of the uh the commander uh, so he sees plays there he's in eight and a half thousand edh decks more popular this week than usual supply is quite low there are i think 
eight copies available under 15, two or three, four under under 10 right now, uh, and no more than like 20 total, basically, right around in that range. So there's not a lot out there. The foils are well positioned. Hasn't seen a big increase this year. It's kind of been lying kind of dormant, uh, but that could just be supply draining uh, as we kind of get closer to the, the tipping point, as James likes to say. So I really like where this is going to be uh, possibly in a couple months. Um, so in at 10, out around $20, I think you're you're in good shape. I'm overdue for a tipping point article actually on MTG price, and this would be a shoe in um, very steep ladder. Like this is the definition of the tipping point. You see a, a smattering of $10 copies lying around on various sites, and then it jumps right up to 20. <clears throat> There's a near mint foil Japanese, well, a couple of different copies on... Uh, TCG player for 20. Those seem like slam dunks to me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, you're not going to see this thing reprinted in Ultimate Masters because it would be a mythic. Um, they're going to save it for later. Could be some other Masters style set that they're going to replace the Master Series with in 2019 or 2020, but you're going to have time and the card gets played. So you, you don't want to be 30 copies deep, but again, two, three, four copies in your portfolio and then flip them out. You'll be just fine. Yeah, you know what I like about this? It's different is uh, there was no buy a box promos. Yep. Or not buy a box promos, uh, pre-release promos for this. Ah. So there is not that additional copy of foils either. That helps. Um, there's, you know, there's just a pack foil. And it's a single printing, period. And and this is a kind of card that could very easily show up um, non-foil in an EDH deck as its next printing yep. and really extend the life on the foils. Yep, those are how I like them. Yep. All right. Uh, my final pick of the week is Blood Moon out of M25. Foils sitting around $28. I think it's going to be very easy for those to get up over 40 Keep in mind that M25 cards have the watermarks in the background, which means that this one has the moon from the dark um, in the background, which is perfectly appropriate. Uh, I think it's undisputed that this is probably the best version of Blood Moon other than the original printing. Um, and it's an important card in modern. It's in 5k EDH decks. Uh, not going to be too tough for this to get up and over. I don't know that it's locked out for Ultimate Masters. There are rares left to be revealed there, and I haven't done the number crunch on this to see if there's any indication that it would be locked out. Um, so I'd want to probably wait and see what the announcement is next week. But if it doesn't make the set, then this would be easily on my list of things to snap off quickly that soon thereafter. Yeah, I like it. Blood Moon is a a perennial staple. We've seen it in modern since the format was introduced. Um, You know, it waxes and wanes with popularity a little bit, but it's still a very important card of the format. You get that incidental EDH play. And I agree, it is the best looking copy outside of the dark, um, which is a very cool card, but also very expensive. so, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And also the, the best foil by a wide margin since the dark copies were not in foil. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So uh, moving on to our metagame week in review. We had a pro tour last weekend, pro tour Guilds of Ravnica, which I have to admit um, presented excellent gameplay for the dedicated Magic player, especially if you've been following, around, uh, following along on Standard. Um, they put together a good show. At peak, I think they had like 30,000 viewers, which was about half what Ninja was running that weekend, which is pretty <laughs> good. Um, beat out quite a lot of the rest of, of Twitch. Um, suggests that if the format is strong, the viewership will be strong and underscores that it's probably more when viewership is weak, you might want to check in on the format health before you start blaming uh, the coverage team. 
Um, certainly, there are there are still there's still room for improvement. Um, one notable item from this week that's related is that Star City Games launched a new overlay for their Versus series, where you can pop open the deck list and interact with the list and and get a a hover state for each of the cards. And that is a tremendous improvement that we talked about months ago on this show because um, we saw it on other games like Hearthstone. Brian Kibler was running it early on uh, as it was introduced for that game, and I'm very happy to see SCG roll it out, and I would hope and pray that Wizards hurries up and gets this on the main coverage deck, because it's going to be pretty embarrassing if that tech doesn't make it to the mainstream coverage uh, to at this point. It's, like, unconscionable that your, like, your third-party vendor buddy has a tech available, but you don't, right? Like, can you just, it just, I, I can't fathom how someone else could do such a better job with your product. Um, you know, I understand how Star City could make it uh, before Wizards does, but Wizards should absolutely pay for it. I, I would argue that uh, there is some operational difference. Like the Versus series, they have two decks and they know what they're going to be ahead of time. Um, the When you're putting together coverage on the fly, somebody has to be entering deck lists and letting people interact. And in some cases that can be awkward, right? Like at the Pro Tour, if the if a team has a brand new deck, you don't want to put up that deck list overlay early on because you could be torpedoing that team. Um, so there, so there are some considerations there, um, but it's that they should be figuring out where, you know, where it can be put to use without disrupting the the flow of competition, um, because it's just it's so handy. Um, it lets you get so up to get from I have a basic level of magic, but I'm out of touch with this format to. I get it. I get what that deck does. I get what that deck does. Now I can settle in. I don't have to squint trying to figure out what that card I don't know does. And I I have to imagine that adds a massive percentage to the longevity of any given viewing session. Now, is it only uh, supposed to be for versus series videos right now? Um, I I would imagine we will see it pop up in uh, other aspects of the video content stream from Star City. So people's like Twitch streaming that later gets turned into SCG content, we'll probably use it as well when people are just running random modern decks or whatever. Um, but I think okay. for now, it's just, they're testing it on that series. They just literally launched it the other day. Um, okay. I would say like over the next six months, we'll see it spool out into other things. So the, 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 I guess the question you're leading to is, will the tour be running it anytime soon? Well, yeah. And I suppose if, if, if Star City is in a position where they are only using it on their versus videos. That's a little more fair, uh, you know, to, to say that, well, how come Wizards doesn't have it and Star City does? Well, Star City's only using it there. But even still, it doesn't take that long to input uh, a deck list, right? Like, that doesn't seem that difficult to do for, you know, if you know that that's coming up. And again, I think you can kind of work out timing restrictions with when to do it to teams type of thing. Because they already talked about when to do it for deck techs and stuff like that. Like they have to get the team's permission and whatnot. Um, and they could not allow it on day one type of thing, but put it in on day two. Uh, so there are definitely options for how to balance that. Yeah. So in the top eight of the Pro Tour, we had five Boros aggro decks, one copy of Is It Drake's, Jeskai Control, and White Weenie. It was very obvious that the, uh, the clock set by the white slash white red decks um, was the dominant aggro uh, format definer for this fall. And notable this weekend, Louis Scott Vargas made his ninth Pro Tour top eight. Uh, 
pretty impressive stuff. Um, mulled to a really bad hand uh, when they were at 2-2 in the finals, um, and that submarined his chances of winning it. Was If he'd had a good hand there, anything could have happened. Um, very impressive play. Um, worth switching over, though, to the best decks list, because as you mentioned earlier, um, the, the guys that ended up in the top eight largely did so on the strength of good limited performances. There was still is it decks and and Jessica and red decks and red white decks and the top uh, standard decks, but there was also mono blue aggro, thirty points. Um, that's the one that has a bunch of blue flyers and a couple of enchantments to put on top of them, and then defends it with some counter spells and stuff, throwing curious obsession on tempest shin and whatever. Um, that's a fascinating that that deck is operating at such a high level because on paper it looks like you know Timmy's F and M deck that's going to get trashed. Um, <laughs> also worth noting that Golgari Agro didn't show up anywhere in the top eight, but actually did very well in the hands of Matt Nass, Edward Vance, Michael Kundergrabber. Um, it's an unfortunate last name to say on camera for the first time. Um, yeah, so I mean, green black is cannot be counted out. Um, uh, notably, some of the like Louis Scott Vargas's version of the white deck didn't run the Takatli Honor Guards, and I guess it, as those started, if green black was fading out of the format and people started pulling the Honor Guards, then the green black players said, "Ha ha, rock paper scissors, we can get back into the format." And you know, if they don't have them in the sideboard, then you know. We're in a better position. And sure enough, they managed to put up some 24-point lists. Um, other than that, there's nothing else. Like there was a Celestia aggro deck at, in 24 points as well. All the archetypes represented that were already known. I didn't see a brand new deck even in these side lists. Which is unfortunate, right? Like that's what we were all hoping for. We wanted something new and fresh and a little more exciting. And we didn't get it. Uh, so kind of a bummer. But as long as the standard is healthy and and ro- and reasonably robust with the decks that are available, even if they're no quantity, you know, that's still fine. Uh, and you can still work with that. Um, yeah. So I think it was, a, I think it was a fine pro tour, if not exciting. And the other thing, the, oh, the other thing to keep in mind is that it's a, uh, you know, you kind of see a, a local pro tour metagame shakeout where this weekend, white red was a dominant force but i'm sure you know if this weekend if there's a star city i didn't check or whatever the next one will be you know everyone's going to show up like okay well everyone's going to show up who's either playing white red aggro or plans on beating it uh and you're going to see that pendulum swing a lot harder because that deck is very beatable right uh it does not seem to be obscenely busted it's just good cards they're you know reasonably costed cards so uh anyone who wants to beat that deck is is going to be able to if they really put their nose to it so your control decks or what have you uh, so i think what you'll see is that you know kind of balance out so even though it was a big deck at the pro tour it doesn't mean it's going to be nothing but white red aggro or your fnm for the next three months sure all right so moving on to our topic of the week um we talked a lot of the last couple of weeks about ultimate masters and what's in that set we haven't talked a whole lot about what's not in that set that people might want to set up to start keeping their eye on. We talked a couple about a couple of the cards in my picks um, this week, but I want to expand on that concept. Um, I'll keep it brief for you guys. Out of M25, feel free to get your notepad out here. Um, notable mythics that are mi- probably, well, are definitely missing from UMA include Chalice of the Void, Ensnaring Bridge, and Vendillion Click. None of which are massive players in modern right now, but I think Chalice is probably uh, probably the most played of those. Um, and then from in iconic masters, the mythics of note include Primeval Titan, which has done some good work in the format lately, and Kiki Jiki, who is largely absent from the format. 
Yeah, I, I would say Vendillion Click is almost irrelevant. Um, I do like Vendillion Click as a card. Uh, I remember being very into it a long time ago, but I think that the, that time has passed. So we might see Vendillion Click come back in the modern eventually, but it's not right now. We've seen some blue-black fairies decks do okay lately, um, but again, not taking over the format by any means. Now to, yeah, to down... I mean, it, it, Sorry, I was saying it just it used to be much more played than it is today. It was a relevant part of the format. And I agree, you still see copies today, but not anything like you used to. Yeah. Um M25 rare is worth taking an eye keeping an eye on. Azusa Lost But Seeking, Blood Moon, which I was one of my picks this week in foil. And then Thalia, uh uh out of the humans deck. Uh definitely worth keeping an eye on the foils at minimum and the non-foils as well. Um, and then on Infam Iconic Masters, Horizon Canopy, which I was on my list. And then also Aether Vial almost made my list this week. Cryptic Command uh, is worth a look. Thought Seize and Bloodgast. Um, with the rares, you got to make sure that you get the new, final news on Ultimate Masters before you move confidently because they most of them are not near a tipping point. So it's going to take uh some action for the market to drain but i would have some of this stuff in your cart ready to go when that announcement drops because that could let you get ahead of the game when i guarantee you some of these are going to get targeted once the final ultimate masters list drops whether or not the market can support the action that people are trying to pursue oh yeah definitely these are going to get uh picked up real fast um, not necessarily all of them, but there'll be some good movement on a couple cards that people go, okay, well, that's what it is. And you're going to see that come out of people with deep pockets too. You know, I wouldn't be surprised to see somebody throw, um, thousands of dollars at say Chalice of the Void if it's not in UMA. Ed, I'm not making any promises, but like I could see that happening. Ed, Ed was proposing that he thinks Pro Tour Cleveland is modern, um, yes, which I could easily that. see being true. Um, which would give me like yet another reason to be there. I'm still convinced there's a mythic edition that's going to be available at that pro tour. Um, it's one of the first magic fest weekends. And if there is strong, uh, a strong market for modern staples on the floor of that event, that would be a triple threat for me. Hmm. To, to actually go. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause that's our, like that's hometown for my family. Right. Oh, so right, right, I can right. have 10 people with my last name show up and buy stuff. Hmm. Yeah, that would be interesting. I never really thought of like going to a pro tour for anything like that. Uh, I've thought about going to pro tours, but <laughs> in a slightly different context. I mean, since the pro tour is a pro tour slash GP, makes all the difference, right? Because that oh, that could easily I mean that if there is another Mythic Edition associated with the the new Ravnica set release, that could be one of the first GPs where it's available. Right. In, in the same right. way that Montreal picking up stuff at Montreal for the first Mythic Edition was how you ended up dealt money because you had it before any other copies hit the market. And since uh, and I guess the additional bonus was that it was in Canada and the Canadian guys couldn't ship cost effectively. And so only people that brought copies back across the border had their way with eBay.com for a week or two. Yeah. I forgot that. uh that it was done like that where the GP pro tours now have GPs at them. Yeah. Hmm. So that should be a pretty busy. But yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun event. It'll actually be like a, a big magic event that would be fun to be at. <laughs> a magic fest. All right. So final thing, and we're going to get out of here in just about 30 minutes on the dot. Um, the new silver coin that was announced, they did a Jace one a while back. Now they're doing a Liliana one. Those are terrible MTG finance things. They're not worth even a fraction 
of the, the silver in them is not worth a fraction of the cost they're asking. The Jace coins are down like 40% since, since they came out. This is not something you want to buy unless you think it's super cool for you personally. It has no financial value. Yeah, terrible. Uh, really just can't. Fa- I, what I'm perplexed with, and uh, I don't care if we go to 31 minutes because we're so close anyways. Uh, what I'm perplexed with is they even did it again. Like who, who is this market for? Like they've, they don't gain value. The, the most expensive the Jace coin ever was, was uh, when it was released, it's only lost value. You're, you're not, are you targeting coin enthusiasts? Cause now you have to hit an overlap of magic player and collectible coin enthusiast, which doesn't feel like uh, it can be a very large market. People like James and I like deep pocket speculator types, um, and people with a lot more than us aren't interested because it's already shown that it's not profitable. And Wizards has known this for a long time, right? It's not like they, this is six months after the Jace one and they already had it in the barrel. Like they have t- had time to figure out that this wasn't good or wasn't desirable. So I really just don't understand why they would do this unless they signed a multi-coin contract with the Mint in New Zealand. <laughs> maybe. Like is using like that? Does that sound reasonable? Then that's why they're doing it. I, I. I don't know that. I mean, it's been so long since the Jace coin. I find it hard to believe that there's there's a contract involved. Yeah. So the so really the question is just why. I really just want to know why. Uh, but so you know, oh well, you know what the the thing that's actually most interesting to me is. What's that? That we know exactly what the print run was. And the reason that's interesting is that because we know there's only five thousand of these. That helps set a bit of a benchmark. I mean, this is different because the the market has to be more narrow for a silver coin than it is for a card product from the from a card game. But five that it's not five hundred and it's not fifty thousand. It's five thousand, which is right in that single moderate single digit range that we've been guessing at by accumulating whatever data we can for premium Magic products. Yeah, because what did we say it was like ten thousand for? roughly for guild cards right yeah i'm, I'm convinced that most masterpieces cards. have been somewhere around 10,000 including mythic edition yeah. and the box stoppers from UMA so and all of the masterpieces that came before and so and and then you know look at your judge foils and whatever and and make your own similar inferences and guesses um so I, there's no direct analog between this print run and anything to do with the cards but it's 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 an interesting data point to put alongside some of the other information you have and try to draw some sketchy conclusions. Yeah, and I can definitely see them doing this in a lower run than you might find elsewhere. You know, like I, obviously you are expecting more um, interest in Mythic Edition than you are in this collectible coin, uh, but it does it, it is still pretty close, right? So. You know, if you say, okay, well, we're going to make half as much. Yeah, I think that's a, a good guess, which just kind of, you know, it's just another data point, essentially. Yep. But it's a good one. All right. So that's a wrap. Fastest finance in the West. Yeah, it wasn't even on purpose. Like, there was no cards in the top movers. Uh, the Pro Tour didn't have a lot to say. Uh, there was no big shakeup this week to talk about. Uh, I don't know. All right. Well, you guys can find me on Twitter at MTG Critic, as well as via my weekly articles on MTGPrice.com. Uh, and I'm Travis Allen. I'm on Twitter, Wizard Bumpin, B-U-M-P-I-N. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I am uh, working my way through the uh, Guilds of Ravnica fashion. Hi. Azorius and I, th- I thought that Day. would pique your interest.
Yeah, I was, I, apparently it's quite old, but I was amused by it. So I, I don't know, I'm going to try and do a guild every day or two. <laughs> I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com pro trader service for just $4.99 a month or $49.99 per year. You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, and a sweet set of online collection management and buy list tools that we're currently rebuilding and will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. All right. Well, James, thank you for joining me on what might actually be the fastest fast finance we've ever had. And I will see you next week. Thank you, Travis. We'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance.